You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organizations. Now, over to your host, Renee Jerusso. So no, this is not Renee. In fact, my name is Anne-Marie Cross and I'm hijacking the microphone for this very special series. We're turning the table around as Renee steps up to the microphone. She's got so much wisdom and insights and expertise on limitless leadership and what it takes to become a limitless leader. So we said, let's feature you over the next three episodes. So welcome to your show, Renee. Thank you. Very exciting to be doing this. It is. Now, for those of you who have not yet had the privilege to meet or work with Renee, she's a leadership, she's a communication and team performance expert. And she has been working in that area for over 15 years. She's been passionately working with leaders, with teams and organisations, and she's helping them to flourish by maximising their performance through targeted communication, leadership, collaboration and connection. As I mentioned, this episode's part of a three-part series. And in this episode, Renee, you're going to be talking about limitless leadership, whether you're a solopreneur with a small team, or maybe just even on your own, also a leader of a large team that's relevant for you, or maybe uh, listeners are aspiring to step into a leadership role. Now, in this episode, you're going to be talking about barriers to become a limitless leader and what to do instead. In the second episode, let's just share with people because we want them to, to, mm. to follow this whole journey across all three. In the second, we're going to be talking about limitless leaders, how to develop a highly motivated, top-performing team. And of course, in episode three, Renee, you're going to be talking about limitless organisations, yes. how to create a successive pipeline of highly effective future leaders. And of course, we're going to share at the end of this episode how everyone can get access to all three podcasts. They're going to be transcribed if people want to to read through that. And we're also going to give them access to your Limitless Leadership Diagnostic Tool. So promise to share more on that soon. So let's dive in. Leading from the inside out is something that you believe in, Renee. Can you define what leading from the inside out means to you and why this is so important when it comes to limitless leadership? Leading from the inside out is all about self-leadership and awareness and that starts with you and you can't be leading a team and passionately be on purpose if you don't know yourself. And awareness for me is really vital and in knowing, you know, what you're thinking, what you're telling yourself, what you're feeling and the feedback you get from the outside world that really helps define who you are as a leader. I look at self-leadership a bit like building a house, so the foundation of a house. You know, you can you can do a foundation of a house very quickly, but if it's not solid, it doesn't matter how beautifully built it is, the house won't last the test of time. Mm. And it's a great metaphor around self-leadership. And, you know, I really do believe we have what we call three-dimensional leadership. Mm-hmm. So leading self before others, before decisions. And the beautiful thing is we're all leaders of self. Whether you have a team or not, um, I really, you know, I work with obviously a lot of leaders, but I work with a lot of people that are leading themselves and decisions and influence within the businesses they work in. Yeah, I love that. So it really starts with that self first. And of course, we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper today. But limitless leadership, that's something, as we mentioned, you're passionate about. I'd love to get the backstory, if you will, Mm -hmm. on how you came up with that phrase, limitless leadership. What does it mean to you and why? Yeah, limitless, those that know me, I, I do have a limitless mindset. 
probably about eight years ago was when the word really resonated with me. It was my big word for the year and has remained so. And limitless to me is having no bounds, you know, evolving, learning, unlearning, and never putting a ceiling on who you are or what you could achieve. I, I believe everybody is limitless. And, and, you know, people I work with, if they really want something, it just excites me because if they've got the will and the motivation, they will make it happen. Limitless is really the sky's the, the sky's the limit, and having a limitless mindset, which I've been doing a lot of work on, really sets you up to get traction as a limitless leader. Yeah. Now I have had the privilege of reading through your book, uh, Limitless Leadership, and I know that you spoke about three mm. keys being really important when it comes to limitless leadership. You talk about commitment communication and of course connection too. Can you share a little bit more around each of these? Yeah, the three C's of being a limitless leader. So I think first of all, you have to have true commitment. A lot of people have compliance, but commitment is ownership, it's it's internal, it's knowing in your heart of hearts why you do what you do. And I think that's 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 vital. The second is effective communication and, and really that's to me the main piece of anything that we do. So you've got to be an effective communicator. Communication's all about the response that you get. So as a leader, having those cut through conversations and deep connections important. And the third is all about having what I call a true deep connection. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we sort of get caught up being human doings, not human beings. And we become, I think, topical connectors. So it's, hi, how are you? We finish people's sentences. We're not present. We're not mindful. And I think it's about having less relationships that go deeper mm-hmm. to connect at a deep level. And, and that, to me, is a profound thing. And it's missing. And when it's there... The power of that is amazing. Mm. I love how you've shared that. And of course, we're going to dive deeper into some of those barriers because sometimes as leaders, if we're leading team, we're not aware of some of the things we may be doing or not doing that is inhibiting us from becoming limitless leaders. So let's talk about some of those common barriers, Mm. how they show up Mm. in the workplace, maybe even how it's negatively impacting the outcome and what we should be doing instead. So what would you say that would be a really one of the, the key barriers that you often see? Yeah, there's quite a few as there are in anything in life and I've seen a lot over the last, especially the last decade working in many organisations. There's six key barriers and I, I suppose the first one is leaders not allocating enough time to leading. So they may be time poor, you know, they're rushing around, they're busy, they're bogged down, um, their mindset's stifled, their health might be compromised and their work-life balance. The impact of this on a team and obviously each individual is the quality of performance, deadlines are missed, connection and development of, of individuals in your team is stifled. And I think what happens is there's a focus on what I call maintenance tasks, so highly operational task versus where there should be a focus, which is really on progressive tasks and creating future leaders. Hmm. There's a lot of things you can do. I guess some key tips top of mind is to reframe. So, you know, it's self-management, not Mm -hmm. time management. Time is inelastic. So people that say to me, I've got no time, you're never going to have more time than you have now. It's about saying to yourself, we've all got the same amount of time 
you know, and there's people that achieve a lot in a little amount of time. Leveraging the cracks of time, you know, if you've got that 10 minutes, get some ideas down or have a deep conversation. Delegate to grow others. I think the only way you can grow, get time back, is to delegate the things that you don't need to be working on now so that you can focus on really mat- what really matters that, that's quite progressive. I also really believe that self-management affects your headspace and your energy. And mm-hmm. I always say to people, you know, if you get home at a decent time to spend time with your family or your kids, but you're on the phone or you haven't looked them in the eye and you're on your laptop, that's going to affect your headspace, yeah. therefore your energy. So that's something we can control with discipline. A model that I use with a lot of my clients is what I call balanced leadership. And it's, it's, it's really a time model picture three columns you know you have lead people so that's all the things like coaching running a strategy workshop all that legacy piece stuff then the next column is managing activity and that's the column people just go in overdrive and that's all the operational day-to-day stuff we need to do but we tend to focus too much there the third column is self-development and you know the more you can develop yourself the more your leadership will lift Mm -hmm. and I think delegating some pieces of the operational so at home an operational thing would be mowing the lawn or doing the washing not really rewarding whereas the leading would be painting the decking or renovating Mm -hmm. so that's how I sort of look at it you know and I say to clients probably want 70 percent progressive type task and focus versus 30% in the operational. That's good and I think you hear so many as you said leaders struggling with time and some of those um, aspects and how we can really start to control our time rather than being controlled by our time and the commitments makes a huge difference. Totally and just one other thing I want to add is recent ICF International Coaching Federation statistics show that you know leaders that have a coach and a disciplined and jealously protect their time with their coach have a 57% improvement on time management because there's a focus there and they're consciously aware of leveraging their time. Yeah. One uh, exercise, I'm sure you might do this with your clients as well, Renee, is to do an audit of their time. Mm. And even if they spend about an hour or two just tracking the activities and what attention is being taken on their time, they realise just how much ineffective tasks we're working on and distractions. Mm. And and on that, something I've just been working on that I really haven't shared yet is, you know, with your diary, block your time in colours so I've actually got some clients at the moment that are blocking leadership type tasks as blue and management as green Mm -hmm. and you can straight away see the pattern am I leading or managing and to me leading is like Batman Mm -hmm. managing is like Robin they go hand in hand but you know you really want to be doing more of the leading great great tips there so that was the first barrier what's the second Probably the next one is a lack of coaching and I I guess it's a good segue into that. I'm very passionate about coaching and I think a lot of time many leaders don't coach because they have lack of time, lack of expertise, lack of understanding of the benefits of coaching Mm -hmm. and they might not like feedback so therefore the chances are they're not giving their team feedback and they rely on appraisals which, which isn't right. You know, I've had a lot of clients that resisted coaching even seven or eight years ago. They looked at it as remedial, and it shouldn't be. The people I coach are extremely successful. It's Mm. just about maintaining and growing that. And there's a client that comes to mind that 
resisted it. We ran a leader as coach program. They loved it. They were motivated. Nothing happened with it. 18 months down the track, I said to them, what's happening? And they said, no one's, no one's coaching. And I said, and my bugbear is people not getting learnings to stick and embedding them. Mm. And I said, how are you measuring it? And they said to me, well, what do you mean? I said, how do you know that your leaders are coaching? Yeah. And they said, oh, well, they tell us if they are. And I said, you know, it comes back to the old adage, people do what's inspected, mm. not expected. So I said, get some schedules done, measure them. You know, best practice is an hour once a month. So on average, 10 to 12 sessions with each person a year. Check in at six months if they've done five out of six, not too bad. But be measuring it and get the buy-in, which mm. is really, really important. Coaching for me, is, it's all about asking, not telling. I have a saying, coaching is delegating thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way to look at it. The more you coach, the more you ask people to come up with their own answers, the less they will come to you because they know you're going to question them. And guess what that gives you back? time so you can focus on what really matters companies not coaching you know there's a million studies out there people leave Mm -hmm. and especially with the new generations coming through they want to be developed so some key tips there three really key tips ask don't tell you can start that today if someone comes up and says what should I do yes it's easier to give the answer but simply say what would you do if this was your business or what three options have you come up with If I wasn't here, which one would you do? As a leader, jealously protect your time to coach. If you book coaching in with your team and then you pull out, you're sending a message that it doesn't matter. And the best leaders, I believe, should be seen as a coaching resource. And of course, be across what I call the four leadership postures, which is coaching, which is all about asking, Mm -hmm. mentoring, which is all about advising, Demonstrating and training, which in a lot of the technical companies I work in, there's a lot of that. They're all important. You want to do all four, but coaching is the one that I see missed. And there's really not a program I run that doesn't have an element of coaching in it. Yeah. As you were giving that example about how a leader can coach their team, it sounded as if it was from a stance of empowering buy-in and commitment because you're asking and getting Mm. feedback and allowing your team member to give their um, thoughts around that. That's empowering, isn't it? Oh, it's totally empowering. And you're being selfish if you're not growing people. You know, a lot of people say, I don't have time for the people side. It's not an or, it's an end. Yes. There's less people in companies now doing more. I do understand that. I'm a realist. But it can simply be a chat in the hallway. You know, mm-hmm. what should I do? Ask some questions. So we call that coaching on the fly. It doesn't have to always be formal. It can be on an email. Hey, what should I do with this? Instead of responding, you might say, well, what would you do? And who in the team could you leverage? And therefore, you're building a strength-based team. Yeah, and ask them a couple of times that, that in that framework. Yeah. They're going to be thinking about that. And oh. not, as you said, you'll get your time back because they're not going to you that's every right. time they have an issue. So that's number two, lack of coaching. What's the third breakdown? Um, the, probably the third out of the six, and there's no real order with these, but the third out of the six is a biggie, and it's a communication breakdown. So, you know, how does that look? It looks like conversations that aren't cutting through, messages that are unclear, people becoming too reliant on email, and people not sharing their value and being too operational as a leader. 
Um, obviously, listening skills, one of the rarest skills in the world is to be a profound listener. And obviously, communication and listening go hand in hand. Rapport's not being built because people think rapport and building connections time consuming, which it isn't. Um, and I guess people just aren't adapting their message to the people that they're, they're dealing with. And the impact of this, um, Anne-Marie's blurred direction, lack of strategy and team morale, people feel misguided. There's what I call a limited culture. Mm-hmm. And performance at the end of the day is lagging. So some key tips here, face-to-face where possible. I have a bit of a saying, face-to-face, then phone, then email. Email, I get the email trail, I get having to keep a record, but I think it's a cop-out, it's being Mm. overused. I've been in offices where you hear ping, ping, and they're sitting next to each other. (laughs) So speak to people, make sure they interpret your message the best way that they can and that you've checked that they've interpreted correctly and you've got the response that you want, then back it up with an email. Another tip is to shape and shift your message. So if you're not getting the response back that you want and you believe you've communicated clearly, maybe you have in your own mind, but if you're not getting that response back, shape and shift your message. So a little tip here is if someone's big picture and speaks in bullet points, so I'm that person, speak to me with big chunks of info. If somebody is detailed, give them a bit more detail. So don't change who you are, but amplify by about 20% mm-hmm. um, to match. The more we're like someone else, the easier it is to connect and the more buy-in you'll get. And a key one is ask more questions. Mm. And one question at a time. So people always, I see it, hi, how are you? How was your weekend? Did you go to the football? That's all about me wanting to talk about the football, mm-hmm. which I actually don't. But It's one question at a time, listen to the answer and shape your response from whatever you get. Know people's strengths, understand everyone is different. You know, I have a saying, people are colours, be a rainbow. Mm -hmm. We have to chop and change. And again, coaching, the latest studies are showing there's a 72% improvement in communication skills with people having regular coaching and a 70% overall work improvement. So communication is key. And like I said before, in in our leadership pathways, probably half of the programs are on communication because if you don't have that Mm -hmm. and you're not cutting through internal stakeholders and external stakeholders and customer and really everyday life, Yes, you're, you're not stepping into your real power as a leader or a person. Yeah, all of those are so important. I remember being on a committee, Renee, and I think all of those points that you mentioned of what not to do, uh, sadly, was, was very evident. And I remember no questions were asked. People's perceptions and assumptions mm-hmm. were there and the communication went via email and someone was offended by yeah. the email they received. And yep. the sender said, I didn't mean to be offensive that's right but it was miscommunication it is and you know we all know when you're face to face with someone 93% of your message is not your words Mm -hmm. so you know 7% of your message is your actual words which makes that so important to still you know focus on what's not being said but the words as well when we send an email I could be tired I could be foggy I could read it the wrong way Mm. so I always say to leaders especially when you're expressing and communicating a key message a structural change whatever it may be 
do it face to face, talk it through, sell on the benefits, very, very important, the why, then back it up with an email where you can. And, you know, with today's technology, there's no excuses. You know, there's Zoom, there's Mm. Skype, there's a plethora of resources that we all have at our fingertips. Yeah. And let's face it, communicating face-to-face, the conversation goes quite quickly where there's no misunderstanding and no assumptions. Mm. And what's the fourth barrier? The fourth one is self-development, when people make it not a priority. So they're not allocating time, headspace or resource. They're too busy and they have what I sometimes, not always, but sometimes call a bubble mindset. So that's sort of, you know, I know what I need to know why would I study why would I read like a fixed mindset they don't want to grow and I think one of the sort of unspoken problems here that they don't admit a lot of the time is they don't want to admit they could develop more I've done a recent survey our limitless leadership diagnostic tool that everyone can get access to and the survey responses we had 30 percent were only open to growing But 87% of the respondents said it was possible to grow. So it just shows how powerful those blockers are. Yes. As long as they're there, not the ones doing the growth. But yes, growth good for other people. That's not limitless leadership. And how can you grow others if you're not growing? It's a bit, to me, it's like a doctor who's unhealthy. Yeah, exactly. You know, same thing. So not growing as an individual and in their own leadership, they're not going to be informed, maybe aren't going to be as strategically agile and networked. Their team miss out on being grown and exposed to new things and value. And I think all leaders, your job is to add value. Um, And many with a bubble mindset, if you're a person out there who really doesn't believe in growth, I can almost guarantee you're not coaching and giving feedback because you don't value that. Mm. And therefore, progression and organisational succession is stifled. So just some really key, key tips here. Get a coach or mentor. I have a coach and I have a mentor. And I change coaches and mentors every year. Sometimes it's a business focus. Sometimes it's more a personal focus. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. I don't know many people in my network that don't have a coach or a mentor. Mm. Strategically, network is another one. So many people are networked, but not outside of their industry. Go to hangouts, go to meetups, go to industry associations and even if you don't get anything out of it, don't assume that your team won't. Mm -hmm. So always share back what you get and, you know, grow, learn and share with like-minded individuals. Um, Podcasts, read, meetups, the technology, there's so much we can do now. And I think a big one, as I mentioned, is to network outside of your industry. Don't become what I call a career learner, where there are some people I know that just learn and learn and learn. Mm. Knowing is one thing, doing is another. So just choose what you want to focus on. Ask yourself, what is it that I need now that will add value to my leadership and that of my team. Mm. People who dread or don't put emphasis uh, and commitment to this are really stifling their own learning and growth. And as we know, the marketplace, the industry that many of these leaders are in are Mm. probably seeing rapid change. How can we ride through that change and encourage our teams to do that if we're not learning the latest and and, and understanding the latest studies too? So that's such an important area. And it's important too if you're going into a leadership role or you're getting 
creating a bigger team or you've changed teams because your identity changes. Mm-hmm. And I've been writing a lot about this lately. You know, people get their new role and email comes out and the team that they've been promoted from within you know, there's no identity change. So get your team, sit down, ask them what they love that's been happening, what they want to let go of and what they want more of from you. And it's usually adding the value that that's been missed. Yeah, yeah. great. So that was, of course, the barrier number four. What is number five? Number five is untapped motivation, which is, you know, part of emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence, you know, it's, it's a bit of a buzzword. It simply means understanding your emotional triggers and those of others around you and managing your emotional triggers and those around you. A lot of leaders have little awareness of their triggers and emotions and therefore can't have a deeper understanding of others. And I put it in the term of they don't know what lights them up. So Mm. many people do what they're good at and they're bloody good at it but they're not happy. And it's because if you understand what motivates you, you'll do more of what you're good at that you actually enjoy. I call it motivational intelligence and we do a lot of mapping and a lot of team workshops around this. 65% of your predictability of success in any role comes down to being motivated. And especially going into a new role, if you're not getting that motivation within six months, You'll be all excited at the start, all committed, all energised, then you'll dip. So when you're unmotivated, you don't know what lights you up. So you don't know, you'll feel off, you'll feel off track. Strengths aren't leveraged as a team. There's no safe space. You know, Google has recently identified the number one key trait of a high-performing team is having what we call a safe space. Hmm. Emotional security as a team, being able to voice your opinion, And if you understand each other more, you're going to be able to feel more open to do that. And that therefore leads on, if that's not happening, lack of connection and commitment as a team. So my key points here are understand what energises you. And the way I, if I'm not profiling someone, I will simply say to them, what gets you out of bed in the morning to go to work? What is it if you could do one thing in your job for a whole week what is that? Now, I know that's not realistic. So for me, my whole business is broken into three areas, thinking, selling, and delivering. Delivering is my passion, being out with my clients, seeing them growing, growing through that process is what lights me up. I'm good at thinking, I'm good at writing, but I make sure I don't spend a whole week in the office doing that. I actually satisfy that motivator by breaking up chunks of time so that I'm getting that preference. Find out what energizes others. Don't overcomplicate this. It can be as simple as saying, what are you good at that you enjoy? Hmm. And you, you know, I did this in a team workshop last week and people were saying, I love being out with customers. And I said, well, are you out enough? No, I'm not because I'm getting bogged down with this. So what could you let go of to free you up to be out doing what really lights you up? Frame up tasks to leverage strengths. So if you've got someone in your team that loves detail and loves reporting, guess what? Give them, delegate that to them and get someone who may not like that to work with them. And it creates a peer group pressure where you're giving them the what, not the how. They get to work together. The person who's showing the other person is lit up because people love to share what they know. Um, And that's one way. Play to people's motivations and your own. 
um, and so develop some team norms. You know, it's as simple as getting your team together and going, what's your favourite thing? Flip chart that. So when when you, we need someone to do X, let's get Mary to do that. Um, and I believe this leads to what I call energetic leadership. If you're doing what lights you up, you know, you're no different than a firework. You're ignited to your full potential. It won't feel like work. Mm. And only ourselves can drive this. You know, obviously there's people that sometimes say, Renee, guess what? I cannot get the things that light me up in the job I'm in. And, you know, these it's reality. They're in the yeah. wrong job. But most of the time, I believe if you can do what lights you up 70% of the time, you're going to have a pep in your step. Yeah. I love the way that you've said that because obviously when you're working on a task that does motivate you, that does light you up, you're going to perform far at a oh. higher level, go much quicker through that because it's not going to, to drag. Because often boredom and just that monotonous oh. um, aspect of your work can really drag you down. But then, as you said, chunk it up. If you're yeah. working on something where you know you, your eyes roll, then if you know that after this half an hour or whatever time, you're going to be working on tasks you love you'll be motivated to get it completed as quick as possible totally and what's interesting you've just reminded me is if I ever work with people and they say oh you know John he's he's really lazy he's and I work with John John's not lazy he's bored Mm. so people you've got to reframe that so my key there is find out what lights you up do that as much as you can Find out what lights others up and leverage a strength-based team. Yeah, I love that because someone on your team may love what you don't love and uh, find that out and tap into their uh, motivated uh, task. What's number six? Okay, number six. So lacking strategic agility. So they're not agile, they're not informed or networked, they're not exposing themselves to all levels of the business. Um, And, you know, usually this happens because people become time poor, sometimes skill stretched or could be lacking knowledge. So the downfall of this is they lack growth in themselves and their leadership. They're going to be managing more than leading. If they've got people in their team that want to go to marketing and they don't understand marketing and they're in sales, how can you grow that person to be future ready for that role? Mm. So you need that. Direct reports, a lot of the time, people in your team only know what they know, if that makes sense. So I've got a few key tips here. So we've got cross-training, which is a bit of a term you hear around. So that's where you might have an hour in another department with someone. You might job share. You might have half a day out in the field if you're in sales. In senior roles, you might involve each other in you know different meetings, mm-hmm. not just the normal SLT meeting. I have a concept I call cross leadership. Mm-hmm. So if you picture a, a cross, you're in the middle leading self. To the sides, you're leading your peers, indirectly or not. Below you, you're, you're leading your direct reports. And above you, you're leading, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Your manager. Ooh. So I think you're the hub. And if you can be influencing decisions, being involved upwards, across way, and really involved with your team, you know, you're, you're really going to be increasing your strategic agility. And as I mentioned before, a, you know, a no-brainer is to network. Mm. And I actually don't love the word networking. I call it connecting. Yes. And it's, it's networking and connecting with lots of different types of people, different industries, and having people, you know, that cheer you on, people that challenge you, a bit like our friends in real life. They all give us something different. And I think 
the time it takes to do that is nothing compared to the payoff Yes. an advantage that that will give you yeah well once we identify some of these aspects in our in, that it may be impacting our uh, ability to become that limitless leader it's work on one thing get that going and you'll find that often it, it, one of them just ch- a slight change can impact oh, across the board can't it totally and when you start seeing some of those changes and also too and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in episode two about limitless leaders how to develop that highly motivated top performing team your team team starts noticing oh it's a huge win-win it, it is and it, it actually makes me smile because I, I've seen it happen with clients and it clicks and you're so right I mean if you're if you're developing yourself even if you're reading something or watching one TED talk or 99 new talk or whatever once a week and you share that at the start of a meeting opposed to sitting down and going hey guys here we are let's do an update yeah. you know <laughs> you're, you're going to engage people differently And I think it's about mixing it up, having some fun. You know, I read a statistic recently that if you do a typical 40-hour week, we spend 75% of our time at work. Mm. So hello, let's have some fun. And I know some clients of mine, fun is in their values and their culture, which I just love. Yeah, so, yeah. so important. Well, Renee, mm. I am so glad that we turned the microphone around <laughs> and had you speak because this is just so wonderful and will make such a significant difference in the lives of leaders if they're, self, if they're on their own and a solopreneur, if they're overseeing a team, and of course, if they're aspiring leaders who want to oversee a team. Now, we did promise, I did promise at the beginning of the show to uh, share a link on how everyone can access all of these podcast episodes. Also, the transcripts if you want to read the episodes as well as the Limitless Leadership Diagnostic Tool. The link, reneegeruso.com forward slash podcast series. So Renee, R-E-N-E-E-G-I-A-R-R-U-S-S-O.com forward slash podcast series. Hey, Renee, I cannot wait to catch up in episode two where you're going to be speaking about limitless leaders, how to develop a highly motivated top performing team. See you soon. Fantastic. Thanks, Anne-Marie. You've been listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast, leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams, and organizations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration, and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders Podcast series at www.renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. That's renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. 